You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Okay, Molly, you can do this. I can do this. Explaining how mirrors work. I mean, I'm looking in one right now, so they definitely work. But it seems so complicated. Maybe, maybe we should just do a different topic altogether. No, Molly, don't give up on mirrors. Wait, did my reflection just talk? Yes, Molly, I've been here all this time, since you were little. Watching, waiting, what? Every time you look in a mirror, I've been here. I'm you, and I'm not you. I'm Mirror Molly. Does that make me regular Molly? All of us here in the Mirrorverse are counting on you. Tell the world about us. But I just... I will help you. I know a lot about mirrors. Okay. Just look into my eyes. I'm looking. Keep looking. Empty your mind and become your reflection. Good. Good. Hey, Molly. Ready for the taping? Zora Piper's here. Oh, what? Right. I'm coming. See you soon. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and today my co-host is Zora Piper from Berlin. Hi, Zora Piper. Hi, Molly. Now, Zora, this episode was inspired by a question you sent to us. Can you tell us what it was? What color is a mirror? That is a very fascinating question. What made you think of it? So I thought of this question. We had an exhibition in our school with a box. It said, open to see the world's biggest treasure. And when you opened it inside, the walls were made of mirrors. And that kind of got me thinking what happened when you closed the box, how it looked inside. Whoa. That's really cool. That's so awesome. So what color do you think a mirror is? Uh, Well, I heard that mirrors reflect all light the same except for green, so maybe green. Hmm. But it also looks silver sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, and, And about that box, what do you think it looks like when you close the box? Well, I'd say it's dark, but Mm -hmm. if you put a flashlight inside, well, then maybe all the walls would just glow because it would reflect off. Mm. That is a really cool thought experiment. So before we get into what color a mirror is, we need to answer these questions. Hi, my name is Daniel and I'm from Evanston. And my question is, why is it that when two mirrors are facing each other and you look into one of them, you see infinite mirrors? Hi, my name is Ramona. I'm from Portland, Maine. My name is Evan. Hello, my name is Lillian. Hi, I'm Avery, and I live in Eastern Pennsylvania. Hi, my name is Clara, and my question is, why, why do mirrors reflect? How, how do, do mirrors reflect your reflection? reflection? How do mirrors work? Hi, I'm Elliot from Bemidji, Minnesota. I'm wondering why... TVs and windows reflect people and objects. I thought only mirrors did that. Yeah, why can we see reflections in a shiny car or a pond? But not in a wall or a wooden door. But definitely in a mirror, like this one. Ta-da! Uh, oh, you you brought a mirror into the studio. I, I wasn't expecting... Hi, Molly. Hi, Zora Piper. What in the... Oh, Zora Piper, this is, um... Mirror Molly. 
And I'm Mirror Zora Piper. Double what in the... We know this is a tricky subject and we don't want you to mess it up. Because when you look bad, it reflects poorly on us. Also, we love attention. First, we need to start with light. I was going to say that. You see, light is a kind of energy. When light hits something, three things can happen. It will either pass right through it, get absorbed by it, or bounce back. We're able to see stuff because of the light that bounces back. Right. Those light rays bounce off stuff and enter our eyes, creating a picture of the things around us. Exactly. When something is bumpy, like fabric or wood, light bounces off of it in all sorts of directions. It scatters all about. That kind of reflection is called diffuse. But when there's a very extremely smooth surface, light will bounce off that surface in a more orderly way. That kind of reflection is called specular. And that's what you see when you look in a mirror. The light that bounces off you goes to the mirror and bounces right back at you. Okay, thanks. That's very useful, but why can you see a reflection in the window when it's dark outside, but not when the sun is up? Oh, excellent question, Zora Piper. You've come so far from that three-year-old drawing freckles on your face with permanent marker. How did you know? Oh, right. I used the mirror. I'll take this one. Oh, Glass Molly, so glad you're here. There's more of you? I mean, me? I mean... I'm the Molly you see reflected in windows and such. Glass will always reflect back some light, but when the sun is out, that light is so bright that you can't see the reflection on the glass. But when the sun goes down, you can see that the light is always there being reflected by the glass. And you can see me, Glass Molly. And then there's me. Oh, thank goodness, Pond Molly. I thought you weren't going to make it. Pond Molly? I wouldn't miss this. I just wanted to make a splash with my dramatic entrance. Of course you did. You can also see your reflection in still, flat water, like a pond, because it's smooth. But the littlest way or movement in the water can make the reflection blurrier. Like when I flick the water, like this. Hey, don't do that. There's a weird tension between glass molly and pond molly. Yeah, I should probably bring this up in therapy. Well, thank you all so much for your time today. It's been very educational and a little terrifying. You're You're welcome. welcome. Zora Piper, can you put the mirror away now? Okay? Gotcha. You can put us away now, but we'll be back. Can't wait to help you look for gray hairs tonight. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think it's time to talk to an expert that doesn't live inside a mirror. But there's probably a version of him that lives inside a mirror, too? Anyway, we have Javier Hernandez-Andres here to help us answer Zora Piper's question. He's a color scientist at the University of Granada in Spain. Welcome, Javier. Thank you very much. So we asked you to 
be with us today so you could answer my question, what color is a mirror? But maybe we should first start off with what they're actually made of. To be simple in the answer, I would say that a mirror is made of a layer of metal like silver or aluminum. And then it has a thick, I would say one centimeter or even less, a layer of uh, glass, like uh, the glass on your window. Okay. And are there different types of mirror? Like, are the mirrors that hang in my bedroom and the ones that are in telescopes or lasers different, or are they the same? So we use what we call as one surface mirror, which means there is no uh, glass on top of it. But of course, if you use these kind of mirrors at home, then you can spoil them by scratching w with your finger. So uh, at home, you have uh, glass on top of it just to protect the metal layer. But in laboratories, in telescopes, they don't have this protection glass layer. Do you know if a mirror has a color? If you ask me what is the color of a mirror, I would answer what is the color of the spoon that you use for eating soup? And you probably will say to me, gray. Um, but this is because we are now focusing in the answer on the, on the material. Of course, there is a difference between the spoon and the mirror because the spoon is not uh, totally polished. Uh, mirror is polished in order to produce a very sharp image. But uh, yes, the answer will be the same because um, um, in this comparison, a mirror is like the spoon behind a window. So it, the window does not change the color of the spoon, right? So I would say, yes, the color of the mirror is like uh, gray. Can I add something? that probably is going to shock you a little bit. Sure, go ahead. I teach color science and the first lesson that we teach to our students is that uh, objects, things don't have color. Color is just a perception that is produced thanks to our eyes, our retinas, that is, is produced in our brain. So the color perception or the color of an object is quite different from one person to the other. In fact, the, the typical example is how animals see color in a very different way. So I wouldn't say that a piece of paper is white per se. Um, it depends on the illumination. If you illuminate not with uh, the typical white light coming from the sun or the white light that we have normally at home, if you illuminate it with a red laser, this piece of paper will be perceived by you as red, not white. So it's a perception. And normally when I teach that to students, they are shocked for a while. Well, I think anyone would be after discovering that news. <laughs> Javier, thank you for being here with us today. I think we really appreciated your answers. It has been a pleasure, real pleasure. Here's another shiny thing. It's time for the... Here it is. What is your guess? Well, it sounds kind of like a sewing machine. Mm. And then maybe there's that little glass thing. Maybe that's like putting away pins or getting them. I like that. Do you have you used a sewing machine? 
Uh, yeah, I got one for Christmas three years ago, and me and my grandma always sew together when I visit her. That is super cool. What kind of stuff do you make? Uh, well, we've made a few clothes, but mostly we make like cuddly toys or projects out of a book, like banners or animals or stuffed houses. Really awesome. Well, we'll be back and hear it again and give you another chance to guess in just a little bit. Let's take a minute and think of all the stuff plants give us. Oxygen. Fruit. Shade. Flowers. Veggies. Scenery. Homes for squirrels. And oh, so much more. Plants are pretty much the best. In fact, we think they should run for office. We're doing an episode on how awesome plants are and we want to hear from you. Tell us, what slogan should plants use if they ran for president? So something like, plants, they're unbelievable. So Zora Piper, do you have any ideas for what slogan you would want plants to use? If you care about air, vote botanicals for mayor. This <laughs> message was approved by squirrel realtors and sunburnt humans. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Record yourself reading your slogan for plants and you could hear it on our show. Send it to us at brainson.org slash contact. You can also send questions, mystery sounds, drawings, and ideas to that same address. Brainson.org slash contact. That's what this listener did. Hello, my name is Amelia and I am from Wales. My question is, why do words sound funny when you keep repeating them? We'll be back with an answer during our moment of um at the end of the show. And we'll read the most recent list of names to be added to the Brain's Honor Roll. So keep listening! You're listening to Brain's On. I'm Zora Piper. And I'm Molly. Today we're talking mirrors. And you know what's kind of like a tiny colored mirror, but also you can wear it? Sequins? You got it. So Zora Piper, how would you describe what a sequin looks like? I would describe a sequin like a tiny mini donut, except with a smaller hole than usual. It also kind of makes you look like an alien if you look at your reflection <laughs> in one. It gives you a really big forehead and makes the rest of your face look smaller. <laughs> that is a really good description. Yeah, so they're like, you know, small, shiny discs. They come in all kinds of colors. And the big rage these days are those sequins that have a different color on each side. So you can flip them and create different patterns when you do. And we recently heard from a listener very, very curious about these shiny things. Hi, I'm Madison from Limbrook, New York. My questions are, what are sequins made of and are made of and how are they made? That is some serious sequin curiosity. Producer Tracy Mumford is here to tell us how these fun, shiny embellishments came to be. Sequins. They're flashy, they're shiny, they're fashion, and they're older than your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. When you put on sequins, you're actually taking your fashion cues from over 3,000 years ago. That's before even the English language as we know it existed. For thousands of years, people from India to Europe to Peru stitched flashy metal discs onto their clothing. Headdresses, jackets, bonnets. People wore these metal discs on their clothes because it meant showing off your money. Literally. The word for sequin is linked to a couple different words for coin. As in, people were stitching their coins to their outfits. They always had their money with them, 
and everyone could see it. One of the oldest examples we have of sequins comes from King Tut. The ancient Egyptian pharaoh had clothes in his tomb with real gold discs stitched to them. Sequins changed over the centuries from actual gold money to different kinds of metal discs. Wealthy men and women in Europe in the 16 and 1700s wore them to add sparkle to their outfits. Some dresses or jackets had thousands and thousands of sequins, each hand-stitched on one by one. And you know what's heavy? A dress covered in thousands of metal sequins. You can't dance in that. And most people can't afford it. But about 100 years ago, things started to change dramatically. In the 1920s, archaeologists cracked open King Tut's tomb. Word spread about the ancient fashions in there, and suddenly what was very old was new again. Everybody wanted sequins. But not everyone could just stitch on some heavy metal or gold coins. How on earth can we do that? Fashion scientists came up with a brilliant and a little strange idea. Michael Birch Pierce, an artist, embroiderer, and sequin collector, talked me through it. Some of the first sequins then were sequins that were... um, like punched out of thin sheets of gelatin. Gelatin's what jello's made out of, actually. We eat gelatin. But people were using it to make sequins on clothes in the 1920s and 30s. That's right. Gelatin sequins. Out with the metal, in with the jello. That was the new, brave, out-of-the-box sequin idea. Can you imagine? Like, what about a pudding dress? No. Okay. All right. That's too far. But these fancy new gelatin sequins, they were shiny, they were lightweight, they were used to make beautiful, fancy dresses for people to go out and dance in. But there was a small problem. Gelatin melts when it gets wet or if it gets too hot. So if you got caught in the rainstorm, your dress would melt off of you. All your sequins would fall apart. You could go from shiny star to soggy jello mess in just one rainstorm. Or picture this, you're at the dance, you're boogieing up a storm, everybody's sweaty, and someone puts a hand on your back. Their hand could literally melt your sequins. There are vintage dresses from this time with ghost handprints melted into them. So, with gelatin sequins, no water, no heat, or else. They weren't really ideal. I actually have some gelatin sequins in my studio right now. And I just poured some water on it and it, it, on a few of them. And they just are, they're gooey and, and falling apart like completely. It's really fun to play with, but it kind of feels like jello now. <laughs> so that whole gelatin sequin trend didn't really last. A cheaper, simpler, less likely to fall apart in the rain solution came along within just a few years. Plastic. That's what most sequins you see shimmering today are made out of. And some companies are even working to use recycled plastic for sequins to cut down on waste. What will sequins be made of in the future? How will the future sparkle and shine? Will we ever have pudding dresses? We have to wait and see. That is very fascinating. Zora Piper, do you have any sequins on any of your clothes? Well, I don't own anything with sequins on it right now, but I had this shirt for Halloween with a black cat that turned into a skeleton cat when you reversed it. Oh, so those cool flippy sequins that have stuff on both sides? Yeah. Those are very awesome. So what is your favorite thing about sequins? 
My favorite thing about sequins is that when the light hits them, they reflect onto the wall, kind of like a mm. disco ball. Yeah, and they're kind of the reflection is actually like different color based on what color the sequins are, which yeah. is super cool. So, Zora Piper, are you ready to go back to that mystery sound again? Yes. Okay, let's hear it <laughs> one more time. Do you have any new thoughts? I think I'm going to stick with my sewing machine guess, but I did definitely hear something glass in it, something glass being put down. Very good ears. All right, here is the answer. Hey, this is Sandin, and the sound you just heard was me shaking salt from a salt shaker. I played you the sound because we're going to be using some salt today to make DIY, that stands for do-it-yourself, glitter. (laughs) He's very excited about the glitter. So (laughs) the glass you heard, you did hear glass, was the salt shaker. Uh But that sound was not a sewing machine. It was salt coming out of the salt shaker. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. (laughs) I know, it's tricky. So regular glitter, the kind you see in stores, is actually made of tiny bits of plastic. We call it microplastic. And it often ends up going down drains and out into the ocean where fish might accidentally eat it. Or it can get into soil or inside other animals. And since plastic doesn't break down, it can build up in our environment and create a lot of problems. So Sandin's going to teach us how to make a colorful, earth-friendly version of glitter using salt. All right, so I got three dishes in front of me, and I'm gonna put a little bit of salt, uh, table salt in each one. The next kind of salt I'm gonna use is called Epsom salt, AKA magnesium sulfate. Now this is like a, it's a kind of salt people often use in baths. They pour a little bit of salt in the bath and the hot water helps their muscles. Well, Epsom salt looks like table salt, but it's a little bit bigger, a little more crystal looking a little bit more sparkly, so let's add some of that to our dishes. And now the dishes look like they've got these little shiny crystals in them, these tiny crystals, but they're still completely clear. They're salt colored. So then we add a little bit of food coloring. So I wanna make a purple glitter. So I'm gonna add a little bit of blue and a little bit of red. Now to mix it up, let's see how this goes. Oh yeah, that's purple. And then in dish number two, I wanna make an orange. So one drop of red and a drop of yellow. And in my last dish, I just want some green. So I'm just gonna add one drop of green in here. You just gotta let the glitter dry a little bit. And then once it's ready, you just put a little bit of glue on paper, sprinkle a little bit of this magic glitter dust, and voila, you're getting crafty. All right, that's it. Have fun. Bye. So Zara Piper, have you ever made your own glitter before? I cannot say I have, though I have my friend made edible glitter once. Ooh. You just it's quite the same. You just put take sugar and add food coloring and put it in the oven. And then apparently that turns to glitter too. So you can use it to decorate cakes and stuff? Yeah, she put it on cupcakes. Mm, That is good. I love it. Two different kinds of glitter that are friendly for the earth. Everything you see is reflecting light. 
Mirrors are so smooth that they bounce light back in a very orderly way. And that's why you can see yourself in a mirror. Mirrors are usually made of highly polished silver or aluminum, so the color of a mirror would be the same as those metals. But the color of the mirror could also be seen as the color of whatever it's reflecting. Sequins are like tiny mirrors made out of smooth plastic, but they weren't always that way. Since glitter and mirrors are made of plastic, they'll never go away. But there are some fun alternatives, like homemade glitter. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Brains On is produced by Menica Wilhelm, Mark Sanchez, Sadden Totten, and Molly Bloom. We had production help from Ruby Guthrie, Tracy Mumford, Josh Meltzer, and Christina Lopez. We had engineering help from Michael Osborne, Eric Stromstead, and Christine Ilmer. Many thanks to Jen Krushwitz, Susan Farnand, Leanna Eaton, Michael Birch-Pierce, and the work of Emily Spivak in Smithsonian Magazine. Brains On is a nonprofit public radio podcast. You can help us keep making new episodes by making a gift at brainson.org slash donate. Now, before we go, it's time for a moment of um My question is, why do words sound funny when you keep repeating them? Words consist of different sounds, and our brain maps these sounds to different meanings and concepts. So, for example, when you hear the word book, it maps it onto the idea of a book. Hi, I'm uh, Shahini Bhattasali. I'm a postdoctoral researcher in linguistics at the University of Maryland. Um, so, I study how our brains help us understand language. So when you keep repeating the word book continuously, you actually end up focusing on the sounds of the words itself, like b, u, k, and those sounds itself have nothing really to do with the meaning of book, b, u, k. So after a while, what happens is that you kind of lose the meaning and it kind of ends up sounding funny to you, b, u, k. So some people have said that this has to do with your brain kind of getting tired. It's a kind of fatigue because if you keep repeating the word instead of kind of continuously doing that linking, you just end up focusing on the sounds themselves. Um, um, um. This list of names is always worth repeating. It's the Brain's Honor Roll. These are the wonderful listeners who keep this show going by sharing their questions, ideas, mystery sounds, and drawings with us. Kimberly from Colstrip, Montana, Josie from Mount Pleasant, Michigan, Philip from Denton, Texas, Evie from Buffalo, New York, Evan from Bondwell, Wisconsin, Hazel, Luke, and Alice from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Eva from Indianapolis, Jack from San Antonio, Texas, Wells from Portland, Oregon, Fiona from Cupertino, California, Rose from Cavan, Ireland, Dylan, Sophie, and Charlotte from Massachusetts, Sam from Austin, Texas, Lucy from Seattle, Ives and Gilbert from Winnipeg, Alice from Oceanside, California, Little Phil from Wishek, North Dakota, Joshua from Los Angeles, Eli from Port Nietzsche's Texas, Shell from Dixon, New Mexico, Amelia from Denver, Rocco and Elise from Los Angeles, Briley from Utah, Zeta from Austin, Texas, Leon and Matthew from Santa Rosa, California, Olivia and Tristan from London, Ontario, Jaden from Delaware, Felix from Auckland, New Zealand, Lucy from St. Paul, Minnesota, Ariana and Valentina from Antigua, Timothy from Jackson, Mississippi, Tatiana from Mississauga, Ontario, Isabella from Hernando, Massachusetts, Kay from Woodenville, Washington, Anthony from St. Louis, Priya and Nora from Lexington, Massachusetts, Nico and Zola from Atlanta, Eliza from Kensington, Maryland, Caleb from Sydney, Australia, Augustine from 
New York, New York, Jules from Vancouver, Washington, Avi and Zoe from Tucson, Arizona, Jackson from Las Vegas, Everett and Lily from Nampa, Idaho, Joe from Williamsburg, Virginia, Caleb from Virginia, Nina from Los Angeles, Nico from Oakland, California, Fiona and Amelia from Arvada, Colorado, Arjun from Regina, Saskatchewan, Landon from Carborough, North Carolina, Joe and Emmy from Grand Rapids, Michigan, Finley and Tommy from Lafayette, California, Lily from Santa Fe, New Mexico, Elsie and Deacon from Clovis, California, Finn and Isla from Stillwater, Minnesota, and Henry from Indianapolis. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening. See you in the mirror.